You are listening to WMNF Tampa, WMNF, best little station in the nation. Welcome to the afternoon. My name is Joel Anchilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the mostest. Today on Art in Your Ear, here on 88.5, we have a stellar show for you. Artist Caleb Lindsay is here to talk about the many things he's got going on. We've got some music and stuff that's happening around town and here at the station. So let's get started. You know what I don't want to do? I don't want to fight. I just want to have fun.
ukulele. Once a novelty instrument from Hawaii is now one of the hottest instruments in music. Even Eddie Vedder plays the ukulele. Uke it out. WMNF's 7th Annual Ukulele Festival at Cage Brewing. There will be over a dozen ukulele performers. You'll hear traditional, reggae, rock, blues, country, Hawaiian, and more. And if you have a ukulele, bring it, because there's a ukulele open jam, a Jerry Garcia of the ukulele contest, and free ukulele lessons. WMNF's 7th Annual Ukulele Festival, Saturday, December 3rd at Cage Brewing in St. Pete. Doors open at 2. Kids 12 and under, free. For tickets and info, go to WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001. I just In the background, we have the great, uh, the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain doing the theme from Shaft. Uh, we don't have staff here today to get tickets if you call, but go ahead and go online to WMNF.org and hit events and get tickets for the Ukulele Fest. It is truly one of the happiest days in <laughs> WMNF days of the year. It is so much fun. Uh, it's a great event. So I hope to see you there. Coming up in just a minute or two, we've got Caleb Lindsay coming on the air. If you want to get in touch, please send us a text at 813-433-0885 or you can always send an email at dj at wmnf.org. If we can say hi to you on the air, it would be wonderful if for you to put your name in that email. So there we go. So thanks. Uh, I wanted to play a song. Uh, our our uh, our guest Caleb has all sorts of uh, many talents. So here is his version of "Walk On By" that I wanted to play for you. So and I start to cry each time we meet. Walk on by. Walk on. Let me grieve in private Cause each time I see you I break down and cry Walk on by Walk on by Walk on by I just can't get over
things started ghosting me by and by. Well, that is my wonderful guest, Caleb Lindsay. Welcome back to Art in Your Ear, and uh, thanks for coming. I know you didn't come for this show all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I'm glad that we were stopped on the way for you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so you moved from Florida. You were, uh, you've been in Florida, you've been in New York City and other places, mm-hmm. and then moved out to Tulsa mm-hmm. seven years ago? Um, no, like four years four ago. Years ago four years ago? It just feels really long. Yeah. What was the reason for heading west? Um, I was sort of bouncing between New York and Tampa for a couple of years. And my mother passed away in 2018. And so I was sort of like looking for a change. And so I applied for different artist residencies and fellowships, and I got accepted into the Tulsa Artist Fellowship. So I went there to do that, and I was only supposed to be there for like two or three years. Um, But what happened is they started this art integration program or grant within the Tulsa Artist Fellowship. Like after you finish two years, you, you completed two years, you are eligible to become an art integration grantee. And originally, that was supposed to last up to five additional years. So the fellowship would be seven years in total. Um, so I'm in my, I think I'm in my third or fourth year um, mm-hmm. in that. And last year, because they're restructuring again, <laughs> um, last next year will be my last year officially in that particular program. Mm -hmm. But I've already started to get funding from the Kaiser Foundation, which funds the Tulsa Artist Fellowship, um, to keep my artist residency going. The Queen Rose Art House, which Mm -hmm. I started as my art integration grant last year. And that's what's so amazing, because uh, you came to my awareness uh, because of the movies, primarily the movies mm-hmm. that you were making, the mm-hmm. art, art uh, calling them art movies is just such a distracting term. It's not, I mean, they are, but yeah. that's a distracting term because there are so many layers to them. But then you, when you went out to Tulsa, it seemed that the timing also was so interesting because there was more of an honest look at the Tulsa massacre mm-hmm. and um, and what was going on in that community. And, mm-hmm. and I know at one point, um, I think we were uh, emailing or texting back and forth a little bit when Donald Trump brought his show uh-huh. to town, uh-huh. and that brought a lot of things up. The city had to really reckon with things mm-hmm. over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and it was right when you kind of got there. Yeah. So I give you credit with, for all of that. Uh, well, you know, that was sort of it was sort of coincidental that I ended up there at that time. 
um, because I went online and I read about the massacre, but you know, I didn't even realize that I was going to be living in Greenwood where it actually happened until I got there. Like my studio and apartment was there. Um, and so I sort of had to think about that on a daily basis. And I almost thought I was thinking about potentially leaving because it was just like so much to that's what think we're, about. Right. That's what yeah. we had been talking about. You're like, you know, this is how do I, you were sort of questioning, like I came here to do this uh-huh. and I can't do that with this huge thing yeah. surrounding me. Yeah. So you, by opening the Queen Rose art house, it seemed that you were navigating both of those things. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started thinking about, because I grew up in Stuckey, Florida, which is a part of Groveland, Florida. And so I was thinking about the Groveland Four, four you know, that incident mm-hmm. that happened in my, you know, my grandmother and great-grandparents and my aunt and uncles. They, you know, they were alive when that happened and they have memories of that. And so I was just thinking about some of which, those. Which, for people who don't know, was yeah. this terrible racist stain on uh, from the law enforcement yeah, yeah. and everybody, like a community's yeah. racist stain. Yeah, that ha- you know that happened you know in my community 1949. 1949. This was in 1949. Wow. Right. Yeah, but Rosewood was in I think the 1920s. Right. Okay. And so, so I just started thinking about that and thinking about my ancestors, and I thought just like, why leave? I should you know just stay here and lean in you know to the support I was getting and sort of acknowledge all of that, but continue to build my career. You know. You know, as an artist, but also as an African American artist whose whose family has also endured mm-hmm. this type of racism, and so I started thinking about that, and that sort of shifted me um, to sort of just lean in and just continue to build on what I started. But it was also in the tradition of Black Wall Street. Like a lot of people that started Black Wall Street, um, they came during I wouldn't say Reconstruction, but after. Well, the, te- the Trail of Tears. Right. Um, and so a lot of, you know, African-Americans came as slaves on the Trail of Tears. And then, you know, when they were freed and land was allocated, they, mm-hmm. you know, they got their land. And then other people started to move there because they started hearing about, you know, Black Wall Street and the opportunities there. And so it was sort of similar thing for, like, artists. There were opportunities there to be supported. And so I sort of went there for that reason. But I also started building relationships with a lot of the locals mm-hmm. and not shut them out of my particular what, practice because I thought that was one way to become a part of the community but also acknowledge what but, happened I mean, there. I think that's what was really, um, really stood out because I've seen, uh, of course, people here in this area come for residencies and then stuff I've been aware of and other artists. And... and uh, your, whether it, you know, your practice, your personality, your, um, your ethos was that you, you are integrated into that community. Like it seemed right from the get go that you're like, okay, now this is where I'm going to be. So this is now my community. Mm-hmm. My community is not, maybe I have another community in New York and another community in Stuckey, but this is it. And, and it seemed to have a responsive community there. Was there, uh, were there people, obviously if there was this art integration, people were already thinking about wanting to bring artists and do stuff with artists. What, how did your presence sort of impact what those people were doing? Because it seemed like you really went like all in. I don't know if that town was ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well I, I think what it kind of, 
Well, it kind of took a minute. Um, well, because also the pandemic happened. So it was this point where I just said, okay, I'm going to go out into the community. I'm not going to be just in my studio, which was another option. You know, you just work in your studio and then you just open your studio for first Friday. But because people who were from Tulsa had moved to New York, a lot of people were aware of me. So I was getting messages and Instagram messages of people that wanted to meet with me and hang out and and just see, um, you know, just get my perspective on everything. And so, but I did tell the fellowship because we were supposed to live there like nine months. We have to live there nine months out of the year um, and then we can do whatever else um, for the remaining of those months. But I did tell the fellowship that if I was going to stay, that I did not want to cut off my New York community or my Tampa community. Like, it had to be some sort of synergy, like, happening there. Because I, you know, like, because I spent years building my career, you know, like, you know, in school here and then moving to New York. So just to cut all of that off just seemed wrong, but it was important to figure out how to integrate myself into that community. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of support, but I think there is a lot, there were there was a lot of resistance with the local artists because a lot of the local artists felt like they weren't getting the same opportunities as some of us artists that were, that, that were coming in from other places. So I just listened openly to that and sort of just went along with that. But it's still a challenge to get like some of those locals um, to certain art events. Like you can have a movie on the line uh, right across the street um, at Guthrie Green and you'll get like 1,200, <laughs> 1,500 people. <laughs> we may be lucky to get 100 or 200, you know, circulating in art spaces. So it is a challenge. And also, I actually, Tulsa, Tulsa itself isn't like that homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you start to go outside of that, it is is um and if you but if you go to Oklahoma City and maybe like Stillwater you get a little bit more acceptance but also as a performance artist it is you know like Tulsa is right for performance art but it's not as much of it going on from the perspective of contemporary art like you have like a lot of fire dancers and like you know Stilt walkers and that sort of thing. More so, en- entertaining. Yeah, more entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so it's ripe for a lot of things, but the thing that I found that helped me the most was collaborating with the musicians there. And that's where things opened up a little bit more because of the history there. And I think the contemporary art is working to catch up with what the music... right. Um, Musicians always seem uh, to be uh, more fluid yeah. in how they view what their community is mm-hmm. and and how they can move through things and some yeah. other other things. Um, mm-hmm. Listeners were uh, talking to Caleb Lindsay here in WMNF Art in Your Ear. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, you might remember us talking about um, so many of the videos and, and movies that you did. Uh, and I have the one series up, which I've just always loved the idea and how it sounds as the art world turns. And, mm-hmm. and those were always just, um, they were fun 
and I have to say, on the surface, every video is fun. Like every mm-hmm. video is so much fun. But then there's all these other things that are that are there too. So uh, there's definitely a reward for multiple viewings of of what you do. In the videos, you have actors and everybody there, but you voice all of the characters. You voice everything in it, and um, and that. So I keep thinking about like the music and your voice, and how your voice, your looks, of course, and what you do with your body when you're performing matters. But your voice is so front and center in so many parts of your life. So will you talk a little bit about your awareness of what your voice does and how you can use your your voice and that sort of unseen part of you to express all different types of things? Yeah, um, I I sort of. I think part of me doing the conversations and using my voice is I think the seed was sort of planted when I started reading this book, Conversations with God, with Neil Neil Donald Walsh. I think that's his name. Um, I hope I didn't get his name wrong. And it was a conversation, a book series with him speaking to God um, and, you know, sort of God giving him answers. But, you know, it was more like that divine space within yourself. Um, so that was one of these the seeds, but also I also sort of wrestled wrestled with that for a while. But then I realized what pushes pushes the videos into video and performance is the fact that I'm the orator, because otherwise it would be just another, you know, short film or like. TV series or soap opera. And so hearing me do the voices, people know that it's one voice. Um, so People don't always know that right away. People didn't know that right away. It, it took a couple of years for people to actually catch on I think, to that. <laughs> so, I think, too, think it, sort of, it. Uh, it sort of removes it from, oh, I'm being ironic. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I... I as much as I enjoy irony in some places, your videos aren't ironic. You know, they aren't there to be like, oh, wink, wink, look at this cultural moment, he, 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 I'm capturing Mm -hmm. it. You're really just sort of going for it. Like there's a realism, a very weird, it's so fake, but there's a realism that goes through that, you know, goes through each one. Well, it it almost lifts you and takes you into, like, you know, you're going into this other world, but it's also very much related to the one we're living in. You know, like some people have say, oh, it's kind of schizo and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you wouldn't say that to Alice Walker, you know, with the color purple, like with novelists, you know, it's, yeah, you have the voices of these different characters, but it's really one voice of this author. Right. You know, it's, it's like, like you're narrating it. You're yeah, the orator, yeah. but you're the narrator yeah. of, of the whole thing. Yeah. And so you, so you get my voice, you're physically, um, you know, getting to hear my voice. So what? What's the word? Audit, 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 auditory, auditory, auditory. So you hear my voice in that way. Versus in a novel, you can make that character sound how you want. You know, when you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Well, these uh, and in these uh, movies, films. I'm not quite sure. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm stumbling on my words there. Um, about you know, it's uh, about the art world is convenient, but there are soap operas, and mm-hmm. they have all the soap opera tropes of kind of ridiculous situations and, you know, no one just feels like, oh, I'm kind of blue. And like everyone is either like destroyed with sadness or like has to have sex right that moment. Uh You know, like there's, it's the extremeness of that. You mentioned that, um, you know, your mother passed in 2018. Mm -hmm. I know you were also really close to your grandmother Uh and the women in your family. And Uh you talked 
in the past about being a kid and kind of watching this mm-hmm. stuff with them. So, but you're still doing it. Like years yeah. later, you're still doing it. What has changed for you over these years in making these? You know, I mean, you've mm-hmm. you've you've opened a art house. You now are an arts administrator as well as an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, you as a person have changed so much. Mm-hmm. What has changed with making your work? Mm. So I think I'm also, you know, with the, you know, the voices and stuff, it, it all goes back to radio, you know, because so far for us, you know, they were radio soaps, radio dramas, and it mm-hmm. was about the voice. And so I think what has changed is partly the technology, you know, it goes from radio to TV and then, you know, from TV to like online. And so that's part of it. Um, I mean, one big part is that I actually, you know, got to be on General Hospital. So that was a sort of shift. Wait a minute, wait. In the work. I I did not notice it. What? Yeah, you don't remember? Do I? Well, with James Franco. Oh, um, that's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he he heard one of my lectures and I was talking about growing up watching soap operas. And so he invited me. um, Well, he said he was going to... Pitched me to the producers, and they said yes, to my surprise. <laughs> and then, yeah, so I appeared on that in 2010, and so I became, so I become a part of right. the soap opera community um, through that experience. So it was no longer like me off doing my own little thing on the side. Right. I mean, I continued to make mm-hmm. those videos, but all of a sudden, it's like, oh, like now I'm a part of soap opera history and a part of that community, and I still get to submit. I mean, I can submit to the Emmys as well um, mm-hmm. for, like, you know, online. And I also submit to the Indie Series Awards, and I've been mm-hmm. nominated for several of those awards. Um, we won Best Makeup for Ozar and Contessa a, a couple of years ago. Um, and so, but now I find that... You know, like, soap opera characters are very adolescents, right? And a lot of my characters are very adolescents. That's a good way to put it. So it's like I always have to go back and, like, and I'm tr- always trying to pull the characters out of that, <laughs> you know, out of that phase. But, they, like, they won't come necessarily They don't want to grow up. Yeah, so I have to always go back and put this on. Like, last year, a friend of mine said, Caleb, how can you still do that? Because I performed my song Chewing Gum. And I was like, well... They're characters, so like I have to just go and step back into that. But also right. with the music, you know, you know, Gladys Knight and those people, you know, they performed their songs that they did years ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's a similar thing, but I'll, but in addition to that, the characters are a lot of characters are still in this adolescence mm-hmm. phase. Right. And that happens with soap operas. And so so I've grown and I'm in a different space, but I do have to kind of go back to where they're at. <laughs> to but I like, I like that idea because it does kind of seem like they are stand, they're standing alone. Like they are yeah. characters. There's, there's you, there's Caleb, and then there's these different people in your life, like populating your life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because you have the power to change them, of course. Yeah. But, but I do think like any creator, whether you're a writer or a, a, a visual artist or whatever, is that you have to, res- like what you make, you have to respect but, its yeah. own journey or I don't, mm-hmm. you know, without something. and you can't, if you force something, then it falls apart. Yeah. yeah and it'll probably come across as inauthentic and then forced. Right. 
So, uh, dear listeners, I'm speaking with Caleb Lindsay. He's on the way to Art Basel. Yeah, Art Basel. Um, and uh, from Tulsa, and then stopping in, and and uh, he reminded me that he has a show that you curated a show at the Florida Museum of Photographic Arts. Yes. Uh, and had you? Is that something that you had done before? Um, I yeah, I've curated before. Um, I I think my first show I curated was like in 2006 or seven, and I did it with a group of friends. And it was like, at first the list was like between 12 and 15 artists and then it narrowed down to three. Mm. And I was like, gosh, that's tough. And so I had kind of said that I wasn't going to um, curate anymore. But once I... <laughs> <laughs> once Famous I, last words. Yeah, I know. And so once I joined the FAMOPA board um, of some years back, um, I curated a, a, a contemporary performance show, um, you know, mainly with lens-based works, um, a few years ago that had Cindy Sherman, Matthew Barney, um, Deborah Willis, Renee Cox, and all right. of those people. And, yeah, so this is my second show at FAMOPA. And it's for Shane Brown, who is a Cherokee photographer, also Oklahoma-based. Mm-hmm. And um, and I saw this show, and I'm sorry, it's spaced out, and, and understand that you did it, and has this very sort of uh, really interesting eye for color, like really mm-hmm. takes color mm-hmm. and... Um, and moves you around a bit when you're looking at it, but um, has just these great things. So when you're so when you're doing like so, you have all these parts of you, and this is what I was really interesting in. You have this curatorial process. You have the arts administrator mm-hmm. running Queen Rose Art House, um, and other things. You have, I mean, any artist has to have that part of their career where they are running their career. They are a manager. They're mm-hmm. you know they are that person. You have, of course, your your. Um, Arts making part of you, mm-hmm. uh, which is related to the musician part of mm-hmm. you, because there is like this standalone musical career, mm-hmm. you know, and addition in, in all that. Uh, and navigating through all of that, navigating, is it all a big lump of Caleb, or is there, do you feel like these are separate sort of uh, rivers going through you and you dip into one and then dip into the other? I, you know, for years and years, I felt like there were they were different rivers running in and out of each out of each other. But I think during the art house and being in Tulsa and having the art house, the Queen Rose Art House, be named after the Queen Rose family tree, um, is sort of bringing everything together, um, in a way that it, that had not happened mm-hmm. before. Because even at the house, I'm able to stage performances. Like, I'm planning to shoot some of the shorts, films, and videos, you know, with my characters, you know, sort of in, mm-hmm. in the yard and in the house. And I've already, I did one music video where um, I had three of the characters, you know, sort of in the space and interacting. Well, two of the characters interacted mm-hmm. with the space. And so now it feels... Like it's coming together in that way. Um, but I do have this thing where I spend a period of time writing and then a period of time, you know, doing collage work. And I have to say I haven't been in my studio as much because I've been doing so much <laughs> with the house. So although they come together, they are slightly different hand spaces that I go into in different parts of my creative being that I use. You know, when I'm with the Queen Rose Art House, a lot of times I'm just playing host. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's sort of just standing back and seeing what else I could do to contribute to the community and give back. 
But what and it's a form of therapy. <laughs> but I feel like um, when I'm in making my work, it's also like another form of therapy. So like when I'm doing music, like that's just a space where I can just. It's almost like I become my soul, and I can just sing, perform, and create. And it's this just other space that is complete peace. Mm-hmm. Um, with art house, it feels good once an event is sort of finished and it has happened. But sometimes going through it, it can be stressful. I, I, I there's every single event I've ever done in my life, and I've probably. Not as much lately, but I, you know, there was time I was doing 60 or 70 events a year. Mm-hmm. I dread. Mm-hmm. And then when it's over, I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad or that yeah. was great. But yeah. before, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. I hate this. Why do I put myself through it? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, that was well, good. I, I go through that with filming. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was just like, oh, like, gosh, Why am I doing this? It. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the video comes together and then I show it to people and then I'm like all smiles. Like. <laughs> But People. they have no idea. I was like, "Jeez, like, why do I keep putting myself <laughs> through this?" Well, um, you know, for what I found for me, and and usually not always, usually writing. I, I guess writing and and poetry are would be the way that my art area. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel weird saying that because I don't think it rises to that. But that's how I understand the world. Mm-hmm. Like I understand the world by writing about it, uh-huh. and and I feel like that's what artists do is they are they're figuring out things mm-hmm. well and through their art mm-hmm. you know and so the collage art would figure out maybe one thing mm-hmm. where the videos are figuring something else out yeah and it all just you know it keeps us flowing into each other so even with the you know the characters right so they're like a, a character tree and they're a family of characters but then I ended up doing one of those DNA ancestry tests and so I got my results back, and crazy enough, a lot of the DNA kind of reflected some of the, the ethnic, ethnicities that had already been into my work. But it also made me do like a deeper dive, and I'm like, okay, now I can just create characters that may be DNA genetically related to my characters, but they don't have to be from the same family tree, right. you know, because it's like I'm getting African, um, you know, I have like Italian. Like mm-hmm. I knew my um, mother's great grandfather was white, but I'm assuming it that's where my Italian mm-hmm. history come from. Um like if you go way back it's like Peruvian. But then when you think about the slave trade in the years they say these ancestors existed, well it's possible that a brother and sister or two brothers or family members got either separated in Africa and was taken to Peru or they could have been in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and was separated there and then went to Peru because I also have um, Caribbean ancestry that came up in my DNA as well. And so like now I get to play with that, you know, um, in the work. And even driving here, I stopped in Memphis and then Birmingham and then I started thinking about all that (laughs) like civil rights history but also the musical history Mm -hmm. in those places. And so... That started like opening up like more things in my imagination, and so I think it just keeps flowing into each other. Um, and I have a therapist now, and I told her I was like, "Gosh, I just I really just hate that I feel so much." And she's a singer, but she encouraged me to not stop feeling, to like mm-hmm. just allow those feelings to be there and continue to you know channel that into my work and Mm -hmm. so now that i've done that it's like you know i think it'll just keep going until 
I'm not here anymore. Um, <laughs> and then, and then someone asked and they'll me, keep going. Yeah, there. Some people say, well, do I ever expect the soap opera to end? But um, as a friend of mine who was executive producer of The Young and the Restless, Maria Bell once said to me, is like, well, you know, like t- telenovelas, they're supposed to end, but American soap operas are never supposed to end. So even when they go off the air, it's still left open-ended. Mm-hmm. And I was telling someone recently, I was like, well, maybe I'll leave it um, either in my will or the instructions on my work <laughs> to allow other people to continue to portray these characters like when I'm no longer here. Ooh, I want theirs. I want to portray them. <laughs> well, I want to mention that we're starting to close out on time. Uh, and, you know, I went to your we, we arranged this interview over Facebook, uh-huh. and I went to your Facebook page, and of course you had posted about that horrible massacre oh. in Colorado. And of course, you know, and then since then, the, our, this horrible gun and, and, and violence has continued. But that one, you know, to have to be so targeted, you know, and to know that the LGBTQ plus community has been so targeted, um, and as an artist. As a as a as a black man, as a mm-hmm. black gay man, mm-hmm. as a you know, as a person living within all of this, how in the you know how how does that if you want it to get into your work? How do you need to like let things sit for a while before it shows up? Like how does this insanity that's going on with um, sort of just elevated um, elevated levels of uh, bias and prejudice and hatred towards? different groups. How does that fit in with what you're doing? Yeah, I remember um, I remember, it, I think it was season two of As Art World Turns. Um, I had written that where there was supposed to be a shootout as a cliffhanger and I think there was there was this shooting incident that happened like in an art gallery. I don't know if you're, it was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was in Europe or somewhere where someone shot someone in the art gallery and I ended up rewriting the ending, because I was just like, gosh, I just did not want to confront that moment in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I I try to stay away from gun violence in the world just because of like, you know, what's going on, you know, like it's there's always like a wait, I there's mean, plenty well, in the world. Well, well, yeah, and, and Melody set me free there. KK Queen does get shot, and there's like a, you know that that who done it, but that was sort of a play off of Dallas. But I don't think we weren't having these type of like shootings that we're having now. And so some of the stuff I stay away from, but it's really difficult because. You know, I, it wasn't gun violence, but I was confronted by some races in my neighborhood, um, which I posted on my Instagram about a year ago because I was doing a photo shoot in my yard as the character Catania. And this woman and this man, I don't know if it, if it was her son, her lover or whoever, were like offended and then start to ask me questions about it. And it was sort of a confrontation. And the Queen Rose Art House is supposed to be a safe space for artists, but in that moment, it no longer became safe. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, so I I was really upset about that, but what kind of saved me um, um, from that, and this was like last Thanksgiving, like a couple of weeks before, that I was invited on Thanksgiving Day last year by... Um, collectors of mine from 21C Museum Hotel to perform in Miami at their party. So I was able to get out of Tulsa 
so that the last minute to go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sort of dealt with it like leaning into the community. But then I was actually um, extra talk with this summer when that author got stabbed mm-hmm. on stage because right. I was teaching there. And then that brought up, what was his, his Salman name? Salman Rushdie. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, I had just turned in my keys because that was my like last day there. And then they were like, I was talking to one of my students, just saying my final goodbyes. And they was like, we're on lockdown, lock the door, don't come out, come out. And so I was like, oh my gosh, it's a shootout. And so then I went online and then I saw that it was a stabbing. But that triggered me. And I had mm-hmm. to, I went to my therapist and told her and it triggered me because I was confronted you know, like I was in my yard and someone didn't didn't like my creative Came expression. Came into your space. Yeah. Right. And then and then to see like someone can just walk on stage and stab somebody. It's like, okay, like how crazy is this gonna get? Like someone doesn't like my creative expression, my creative voice. They can stab me, shoot me, harass me. And so I try to lean in being that creative being and and, and try to let that be enough. But in some spaces, I'm not sure if that alone is enough. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, I just think there needs to be laws put into place to protect. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, I guess, people like myself, you know, right. as, as sad as it is to I say had, that. Not that long ago, someone, when I was driving, and I drive fast, but mm-hmm. I'm a polite driver. Mm-hmm. And I let people in, and I make room, and I anticipate, and this guy wanted to, uh, he wanted to be where I was in my lane and he flashed a gun at me. Oh, and wow. I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm driving an I-275. There's room in front of me and there's yeah. room behind me. Like why? And, you know, and so yeah. there's a mentality yeah. that is, that is dangerous for yeah. everybody. Yeah, you know, exactly. Everybody. There's no one who's safe. Exactly. From it. Exactly. There, yeah. But there's, but there's definitely groups that are more attacked than yeah, other exactly. groups. I don't want to say that, you know, everyone's equally at danger, yeah. but it's just stuff like, it's it's bad. It's unhealthy yeah. for all it of is. us. It is, But I want to end this interview because we're almost done on a, on a better note than, <laughs> than that. But I just feel like I, I worry so much about all the artists in life because there's, it's hard to be an artist. It's hard to be yeah. an artist these days. Mm-hmm. What, um, so you're going to Miami mm-hmm. for Art Basel mm-hmm. and there's a, um, you're uh, you're represented by a gallery. Yeah, David Castillo in in, in Miami. In Miami. Uh, so what uh, what's going to happen down there? What are you doing down there? <laughs> so in Miami um, on Tuesday night, um, I'm going to be dressed as my character Taiwan, and Taiwan is going to be giving away. Oh, I love Taiwan. <laughs> free vinyls. Um, he's going to be autographing for those right. people. We're going to give away like thirty, I think, um, right. at the opening. And then I'm going to do a private performance at the dinner. Right. But then the next night with the Tulsa Artist Fellowship, the Tulsa Artist Fellowship is sponsoring the vinyl release. Um, and and what's I, your vinyl? Uh, well, I was just going to ask if I could say a profane word. Uh, no. no. Okay, so it's... Um, you, can, you can spell it. Okay, so it's... A S S H O L E. That's the, that's the single, and then the, the B side is loneliness remedy. Right, and they're both on. So the first song is a re-recorded version of an older song, but it's going to appear on my album "Not Ready to Say Goodbye" that comes out March third, twenty twenty three, and you can pre-order that. You can find that on like iTunes and. And it's on, uh, there's links on the Art In Your Ear Facebook page, dear listeners. And after the interview, there's going to be links up on the Art In Your Ear page on WMNF.org. Yeah. And so, 
So that's going to be that Tuesday night. And then Wednesday night, I'm, we're doing a called Tulsa Evening of Performance at the Satellite Art Fair. Okay. And that's also being presented by the Tulsa Artist Fellowship and the Queen Rose Art House. So I'm going to perform as my character, Kay, and I'm going to be the host. So I'm going to be performing as two different characters. And Kay is the movie star? Kay is a video. Yeah, he's right. a video He's a video artist right. um, and a singer. And then Taiwan is just a singer. I love Taiwan. I love Taiwan. Um, <laughs> and sort of, you know, based on a lady in weight and Billy and Holiday, Billy Holiday and the Go Gone right. paintings. Yeah. And but on on Wednesday, I'm, I'm also going to be presenting um, other artists from Tulsa um, during this night. Um, Steph Simon. Um, is going to perform. Um, Dial Tone is going to perform. And DJ X Tina is going to be DJing. Mm-hmm. And so it's called Tosa, an evening of music and performance. And it's from 7 o'clock to 8.30. And I know people listening to the show are going to Art Basel, so you can find cool. it. And I'll have all the links, as I said, after the interview, I'll put all the links up so people can find it easily. Uh, and then you also, I follow you on Spotify, and uh-huh. so people can follow you on Spotify and all, all different areas. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, is, it, is it strange to come back to Florida with the fam- changes in your family? I mean, you ha- it looked like you had a big Thanksgiving yeah, party. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was about a quarter of my family. <laughs> I actually, um, so yeah, so they had a um, Fourth of July shindig, and so I didn't find out like a couple of days before, so I wasn't able to get down. Um, but one of my aunts, who's in her eighties, she's really digging these families get get together, and so they've been doing them more frequently. Aww. And yeah, and so. Um, so it, no, it's not, it's not strange, although it, well, actually it's become weirder because I brought a house in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that coming, it, you know, when I was living in apartments and that sort of thing, it wasn't that weird. But now that I'm home on, it's like, okay, I'm right. really committed, <laughs> you know, to this space. Although I still see Florida as my home, but I've, I've, but actually this trip has been the longest I've stayed. Like I got here last Thursday mm-hmm. And I'm leaving Monday, so it's been like a long, a long trip. But my family has been happy that I've been around. I'm sure they have. Um, you know, for a long extended period. Because usually <laughs> it's like two to three days. And, right. Um, and also to have, you know, I mean, a luminary in the art world be part of the family that the work you make uh, doesn't necessarily directly address your family, but each one has your family in it. Like you are, you know that there's that sense of mm-hmm. a whole life represented in it, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of videos, they're about family. I think because um, I really sat down and showed them all my children. That was like 2003. But since then, you know, like some family members come across stuff online. And so mm-hmm. some of them engage with it. But it's not like when I was starting out, I would sit the family down. We would have like family screenings. But they all did, you know, take a picture around the Queen Rose I Art I saw that, truck. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yesterday. And so they follow. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I because I have family members that confide in me, I try, you know, like I just don't want to retell or explore it. Like their story, so that's, so that's why I kind of keep everything through the filter of mm-hmm. characters. And even even if I did a auto, you know, what do you call it, autobiography or right. a biopic. I mean, if I ever become that <laughs> <laughs> important, um, I would just make sure the story that I'm telling is to kind of uplift and inspire, and not to 
attack anybody or attack things because of certain trauma. And that I I've do, I do want to mention in your in your videos in your mini movies uh, that there's you know there's conflict and there's of course there's soap operas so there's conflict and there's questions and there's drama but there's also uh, which is something that you don't see very often there's friendship and there's mm-hmm. people who are relying on each other and mm-hmm. people who who are as as artificial as it seems there's all these real emotions mm-hmm. in them and what which is what kind of messes with your head when you're watching them which makes them different from <coughs> excuse me a regular soap opera mm-hmm. is that there's these connections that are happening you're voicing all of it but even with with that artificiality there's still this like core of something that happens in each video that makes you you know, makes touches something, you know, and yeah. sometimes it makes it's it inspires, you know, like what is that? But sometimes you're just like, oh, like that moment, like you, you give people moments that that transform it from being like, oh, here's this is entertainment to like, oh wait, no, there's there's something else here going on, you know, and that's what yeah. I appreciate about them. And that seems like there is autobiography in each one of them, but I think you have to scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch to get. Yeah, to I, I always say like. <clears throat> It has to be that thing that people can identify with. And then once they identify with something, then that triggers certain emotions and certain thoughts, even if they're not from that world, you know. And and I'm always using things like, you know, stereotypes, archetypes, things that we identify with and putting real emotion into it. But I also tell people... I mean, I should have those feelings about things. And so I, I usually take the feelings and let my imagination mm-hmm. create images. And I sort of roll, roll, roll with that. Then instead of just retelling some past thing that mm-hmm. happened, because then it would be more like, I mean, on on the lines of a documentary, <laughs> right? Do you, uh, do you uh, sort of uh, notate your process? Throughout, I just realized we're almost okay. out of time. We're way over time. Do you notate? Like, do you keep notebooks or do you document what you're doing? I, I write all the scripts out, right? Yeah. And then, and then I type all the scripts out. So if I lose the file, then I have the written right. version of it, and then I make notes on mm-hmm. the scripts. Right. Yeah. Well, we've been speaking with Caleb Lindsay uh, for the last almost hour, and uh-huh. it's been wonderful. And I'm so, um, I'm so glad. Ever since we met, I've just felt that your your work is so unusual and so interesting, and and never stops. You never, you don't rest, you know, or I mean, I'm sure you rest, but yeah. you don't be like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I did this. I can mm-hmm. just keep doing the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah. Like the movies change all the time. And looking at, I went back and looked at ones that you made 15 years ago or 10 years ago and then what you just made. And there's all these changes in them. So yeah. I'm really excited for you. And yeah. I just hope, keep keep in touch and let us know. Yeah, I will. I will. And that's the title of my album, Not Ready to Say Goodbye. Like when I had the health issues, I mm-hmm. thought it was coming to an end, but... You know, I've been working really hard. Yeah, and so, you know, because I'm not ready to say goodbye to my career and, you know, everything Everything else. And you look great. You look great and you seem very healthy. Well, I'm going to put on some music and I'll be right back, dear listeners. You have been listening to Caleb Lindsay on Art in Your Ear on WMNF. And uh, coming up next, I see E-Love in the studio with her beautiful Global Electronica show. Uh, And that's coming up. And then also on Live Music Showcase, they have two different uh, blues bands today. They've got Kid Royale and the Holy Smokes and then Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Uh, Both those bands will be playing today on the Live Music Showcase. After that, we have the Reverend Billy and Marvelous Marvin's wonderful show, uh, Rhythm Revival, which 
digs into the roots of rock and roll, going into the blues, uh, jump jive, old country, everything that brought us rock and roll. And then, of course, our great Friday night lineup uh, our, is the classic Soul Party uh, at 6 o'clock, the Soul Kitchen, which is just a smorgasbord of wonderful rhythm-based music at 8 o'clock. And then we end the night with Florida Blues and Florida Soul with uh, Chuck Cord Jr. and Flashback Friday. So actually, I am going to say goodbye because we are almost out of time. Thank you for letting right. me kidnap you for an hour. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was great. We are You are listening to WMNF Tampa. WMNF, the best station in the nation. I wanted to play this uh, song for you. I was going to play another, but I want to play this song. This is a new Nora Jones uh, song. It comes from a tribute to uh, Leonard Cohen, and it'll take us into the NPR News here on WMNF Tampa. Thanks for listening so much. Uh, talk to you next week. I think I have a really good show for you next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye now. Such as fundamental goodness